everyone, welcome to episode 4 of A Cowgirl and Her Horse. I'm your host Katrina and today we will be talking about buying a barrel horse. So as you guys know, if you've listened to any of my earlier episodes, I am currently in the market for a new barrel horse, so I thought this would be a great topic to touch on today. So uh, before we even start with what you should be looking for in a barrel horse, you need to determine if you should even be looking for a horse. So yes, it's not always a good decision to buy a new horse. Um, so if you're buying a horse for the first time, you need to ask yourself if you're able to make the financial commitment. And I'm not just talking about the initial purchase price. You know, the financial commitment also includes that continual upkeep of a horse, which is, you know, the feed, farrier, any potential vet bills, um, boarding, if you have to board your horse, etc., that can all add up to a lot over the course of a year. So don't think that just because you can afford the initial purchase price that you're free and clear and it's good to go. Um, and in addition, in addition to the financial commitment, you also have to ask yourself if you're able to make the time commitment. Are you able to ride a horse enough during the week to keep him in shape at the level that you want him at? You know, seriously consider your life right now. Are, is a horse going to be able to fit into your lifestyle? Um, if you're adding a horse to your herd as opposed to it being your first one, do you have the room? Do you have the time, the financial wherewithal to take on another horse? So... Once you've determined that buying a horse is a good idea, then you need to get clear on what you want in a barrel horse. So, you know, determine your in search of, your ISO. So, first thing you need to look at is whether you want a prospect or a seasoned barrel horse. If you're new to the sport, I really encourage you to buy a seasoned horse. You know, something that can teach you the ropes. Uh, please do not make the mistake of buying a horse and insisting that the two of you can learn together. You are much better off starting with a horse that can teach you a thing or two first. Things will go much quicker for you if you buy something seasoned. Trust me, I know from experience. If you're considering buying a prospect, you have to remember that it will take time for that prospect to get to seasoned barrel horse. So before, before you buy a prospect, be sure that you're willing to take the time and be patient while you bring that horse up to the level that you want. And you know, don't kid yourself. In some cases, this will take several years, especially if you're buying a weanling. Um, which brings me to, if you're buying a prospect um, how old of a prospect do you want? Do you want a weanling that has phenomenal bloodlines? Or do you want, you know, a six-year-old cutting or reining horse that's fancy broke that you can just, you know, pattern and away you go? You know, most people associate a prospect as being a younger horse, but that's not always the case. Um, you also need to consider what kind of bloodlines you want if you're buying a prospect. You know, the barrel racing 
Uh, breeding industry has grown a lot in the last few years, so there's lots of options to choose from. You know, from Dash to Fame to Epic Leader to Frenchman's Go- Frenchman's Guy. They all have their strengths and their quirks, I guess we'll call them. <laughs> if you want a specific bloodline, be, sur- be sure to do your research and make sure it will fit in with the eventual horse that you're going to end up with. You know, if you decide to go with a Dash to Fame filly, are you okay with the fact that she's probably going to be a pretty hot horse? You know, things like that to consider. Um, for your prospect wish list, you also need to determine if you want a mare, a gelding, or a stud. You know, all have been successful in the barrel pen. You know, we've got Epic Leader, who was amazing, with Cassie Mowry, who was a stud. Uh, you've got mares like Martha, Lindsay Sears' mare, who won the world. Or you've got geldings like Lisa Lockhart's Louie. They've all been successful. So there really isn't a competitive reason why you would choose one over the other. Obviously, studs can be a bit unpredictable and may not be allowed in certain venues. Um, you know, mares can have their mayor quirks. <laughs> And geldings can be a bit more laid back. You know, obviously those are all generalizations, but just something to be aware of, you know. But it's, it just ends up being kind of a personal preference as to what kind of a, um, a horse you want. Um, when buying a prospect, you also need to be clear on their what you want for their training background. Do you want something that's just halter broke? Or, again, do you want something... Fancy broke like a cutter or a rainer that you just you know could easily pattern and off you go. Obviously, there's going to be a huge difference in the amount of work that's required between a fancy broke cutter and a halter broke weanling. So, as well as a huge price difference, obviously. So that's if you're looking for a prospect, you know, building your in search of list from that. If we look towards um, wanting to buy a seasoned barrel horse, there's obviously many similar things you need to consider. Um, how old do you want your seasoned barrel horse to be? If you're looking at something that's around seven years old or so, that horse is just going to be coming into his prime. So he's had a few years to get used to the barrel racing scene and he's now ready to, you know, fire on all cylinders. If you take care of a horse like that, you could end up getting 10 rodeo seasons or more out of him so obviously with that comes a higher price tag if you on the flip side consider something a little older the price tag might not be as high but that's because he has fewer runs left in the bank so to speak that being said an older rodeo horse can be worth a lot too They have years of experience by that point, which, you know, they can pass on to their rider. And even if an older horse has a lower price tag, you may not necessarily come out ahead as far as cost goes because of the possible and likely maintenance costs that come along with an older horse, such as injections and stuff like that. Um, Again, with a seasoned horse, you also need to decide if you want a mare, a gelding, or a stud. Um, I would just mention that you need to be mindful of 
which associations that you compete in if you want to run a stud because not all associations and not all locations will allow studs. And even if they do, you know, studs can be a bit of a handful. So unless you're an experienced horse person, I really wouldn't recommend buying a stud. Um, When buying a seasoned barrel horse, Bloodlines may or may not come into your criteria, um, especially if you're looking at a horse that's been winning. You know, obviously they must have something, right? <laughs> so bloodlines may not cross your mind a whole lot. Obviously, ideally, you would want something registered to, you know, up their potential resale value. And you know, if you have a mare, her brood mare potential, in the event that she gets hurt, you know. Um, you also need to consider what kind of a competitive resume you want a seasoned barrel horse to have. Um, do you want them to be a 1D horse, a pro rodeo horse, or maybe something that's just a 2 or 3D horse? Are you wanting a proven winner? Um, and if so, at what level? Obviously, the more a horse has won and the higher the levels he's won at, the more you're going to have to pay. You know, a horse like Lisa Lockhart's Rosa's Cantina is going to be worth a heck of a lot more than the buckskin running in the 3D at my local jackpot here in central Alberta. Um, With a seasoned horse, you may also have some criteria as far as their training background goes. You know, some people want a fancy broke horse, while others don't really care if their barrel horse has all those bells and whistles. Of course, a seasoned horse is going to have some sort of a foundation regardless, but it's just a matter of rider preference as to how extensive that foundation is. Um, Part of how broke you want them is also whether you're planning on doing other things with them aside from just barrel racing, which is something you need to consider. What do you want to do with your new horse? Are you strictly doing barrels or do you plan on taking them to high school rodeo where you would be doing barrels, poles, goats, grand entry, whatever else. Um, Do you want to go riding out in the mountains? You need to be clear on this for sure because not every horse will be able to do everything. You know, some horses are quite literally strictly barrel horses. They will not do anything else. Um, uh, But there are some horses out there that are a bit more well-rounded. You should also consider what kind of temperament you want in a horse. Um, Because as we all know, some barrel horses can have quirks. You know, maybe they get hot in the alley. Maybe they don't stand at the trailer. Whatever it is, you have to figure out what you're willing to deal with, which kind of leads into what's your list of deal breakers? What are things that if a horse has it, you refuse to buy it? You know, for me, I won't buy a stud. Um, It's just I don't want to deal with that, you know. You need to be clear on what are things you definitely will not have in a horse. And on the flip side of that, what are you willing to compromise on? I think, you know, the biggest compromise that most people make or a lot of people make is on the gender of their horse. You know, on a lot of in search of ads, some people will say 
prefer a mayor but will consider a gelding or vice versa. Um, so, you know, assuming that everything else lines up with your wish list, what would you be willing to look past? Another thing that some people look past is a confirmation flaw if the horse is winning. You know, they might be okay if the horse has a bit of a crooked leg if he is winning the 1D every weekend. So some things to consider there. Um, So yeah, regardless of whether you're going to buy a prospect or a seasoned barrel horse, you also need to figure out what your budget is going to be. So money, money, money. Horses can range a lot, you know, from $1,000 all the way up to as much as a mortgage. So what can you afford? You need to be realistic here because, you know, if you're wanting, if your wish list is a eight-year-old 1D barrel horse that has epic leader bloodlines, which I don't even know if that exists yet. I don't know if epic leader has been bred for eight years yet, but regardless, you aren't going to find a horse like that for $5,000, plain and simple. So you either need to adjust the type of horse you're looking for or increase your budget. So just something to consider there. You definitely need to get clear on your budget. And finally, I would say the last thing that you need to do before starting your search is to get clear on your riding abilities. Crystal clear. Do not under or oversell yourself here. You need to be brutally honest on what level of a rider you are. Why? Because the last thing you want to do is buy a horse that's either too much horse or not enough for what you want to do. I see this a lot with kids. Their parents will buy them a horse that is too much for the child. You know, a horse that I might not even get on. And either the kid gets scared, the horse gets blown up or some other thing like that. Or both. It, it, I've never seen that end up going well. So, and you know, if you buy a horse that's below you, um, that is just not fun. You're not going to meet your goals with a horse that's not at your level. So, I would say, you know, if you're at a certain level, you can buy a horse that's a little bit beyond that level, but not excessively much. You know, if you're a 3D rider right now, You do not need a 1D horse. You do not need a pro rodeo horse. I know it would be awesome. You know, I would love a horse like that. But it's not where I'm at right now. And it may not be where you're at right now. You know, that day may come where you can buy a 1D horse. Just not today. If you're a 3D rider, consider looking at something that's, you know, a 2D horse maybe pops into the 1D once in a while. Something like that. A little bit of a stretch is okay. So those, I would say, are the main things that you should consider when developing your criteria. Before you even start looking for the horse, you need to get clear on those things. Um, Once you do that, it'll be a lot easier to sift through all the ads, especially if you're looking on Facebook. There's a lot of ads, so getting clear on your list will make your job as a buyer a, a little bit easier anyways. 
It seems like as a horse owner, there's always something you could use or need or want when it comes to your horses. I've found that horse.com is a great place to meet those needs. Whether you need a new pair of bell boots because your latest pair have completely fallen apart from being used too many times, or are looking to try a new bit, horse.com is your place to find what you need. Head over to a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. You'll also find there a list of all my favorite products, including Classic Equine's Legacy 2 boots and Ariat's Fat Baby boots, which are my favorite boots to wear around the barn. Again, that's a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals. All right, uh, I also want to touch on confirmation before we go into actually searching for your new horse because I think that it's really important. I had mentioned that you may overlook a confirmation flaw if a horse is winning and checks all of your other boxes as far as what you want in a horse, but that doesn't mean you need to or should ignore confirmation altogether when you're looking at a seasoned barrel horse. And Obviously, it's especially important when you're looking at a prospect that they have good confirmation. Um, A horse needs to be put together in a certain way in order to excel at barrel racing. You know, a dressage rider is going to look for something different than a barrel racer is going to when they're searching for a horse. And that's because there are certain physical characteristics that will maximize a horse's chance of success in a given discipline. And the closer you get to an ideal barrel horse confirmation, the more likely that you're going to be able to excel in this sport. And, you know, a horse that doesn't have ideal confirmation will, you know, best case scenario, not succeed to the fullest extent you would want. And worst case scenario, they might end up injured and have chronic issues. So in determining what our ideal confirmation would be for a barrel horse, we need to consider what we ask of our horses during a run. So, you know, they need to be able to sprint hard and fast and gather themselves up and turn on a dime and then accelerate quickly out of those turns. And we also often ask them to do this on less than ideal ground, which further puts strain on their bodies. So the closer we can get to an optimal barrel horse confirmation, the less likely we're going to have issues down the road. So we can start on the ground looking at their hooves. A barrel horse takes an enormous amount of concussion on their feet, even in the best ground conditions. And this is why good feet are so important. What makes a good foot? Uh, Ideally, we want them to be large so that That concussion can be spread out over a larger surface area. And the hoof itself should be strong and round, which obviously can be aided with correct chewing and trimming. Um, The trend lately with some bloodlines I've seen is that their feet are getting smaller and smaller, which is really concerning in my opinion. So you're going to want to try and stay away from bloodlines like that and find something that has a good a good foot on them. Um, if you look at the legs, you want them to be straight and centered, which you can see clearly if you're looking straight at them, whether their legs are centered or not. 
And the reason you want a centered leg is that so that, that that concussion that I talked about will run straight through that leg. And there won't be un, any uneven wear and tear on the bones, tendons, or ligaments. Uh, the pastern should be average length for given the horse's overall size. And it's kind of a Goldilocks situation, that's what I call it. You want the pastern not too long, not too short. If it's too long, you're going to start seeing excessive stress being put on those ligaments and tendons. But if it's too short, you're not going to get that concussion being absorbed by that pastern. So you want something in the middle given the size of the horse. Um, the pastern, the angle of the pastern should also match the horse's shoulder. If you look at the cannon bone, the cannon bone should be... I don't want to say short because you definitely don't want a short cannon bone, but you want something on the shorter side because obviously a long cannon bone, you can just think about it, is probably susceptible to, more susceptible, I should say, to breaks and other issues. Um, and of course, we like to look at the hindquarters of the horse. If we have a horse with correct conformation, you should be able to draw a plumb line from point of the hip to point of the hawk down that leg to the ground. So it should be one straight line. If a horse is a bit camped under, I would say this is to a certain extent forgivable because the horse would likely still be able to get up underneath themselves the way we need them to. Um, but if a horse is camped out, I would say try to stay away from that because it is going to be difficult for him to get up underneath himself like that. Um, you want the back muscles to tie on the lower side of the, like lower on the hawk. And again, this just helps with getting that horse collected up underneath himself which is really important when we're coming into a turn. And then it's also important when we're pushing off on those hindquarters to, out of the turn. The croup, the top of the hip, should be have a nice slope to it because this is a sign that they'll be able to really accelerate out of those turns. And then the overall hind end should be well-muscled. Obviously, we don't want a halter butt, halter horse butt, I don't know why anyone would <laughs> even halter people. Um, just my thoughts anyways. <laughs> but um, you just you want a hindquarter that's well muscled and looks athletic, I guess. Um, I also give a lot of priority to a horse's top line and underline. You want a barrel horse to have both a strong back and strong abdominals. Um, and for a horse... A short back usually means a stronger back. If a horse has a long back, it's usually pretty hard for them to gain strength there. And there's also usually issues with collection. And I've definitely noticed this with Junior. He is on the longer side. And I have to work very, very hard to make sure I keep some strength along his back. And horses with long backs also tend to have be more prone anyways to soreness along their back which again I've dealt with this 
consistently with Junior. So you're wanting to look, again, in comparison to the overall size of the horse, you want something a little bit shorter. And then you also want, in contrast to the short back, you want their underline to be slightly longer than their back. And you want strong abdominals as well. And this just helps, again, get the horse to engage its hindquarters, gather himself up for the turns, and accelerate quickly out of a barrel. Um, you want to look at the horse's neck in contrast to his body. You don't want a short neck because then the horse tends to be a bit inflexible. So you want a fairly long neck and something that's, again, not too thick, not too thin. You want it to tie neatly into the throat latch because that means the airway is going to be unrestricted and allow the horse to breathe easier, which is obviously really important when you're making your run because you want your horse to be able to breathe. And the neck should also tie neatly into the shoulder and chest. You know, you don't want it too high, not too low, just kind of in the middle and to be nice and clean and smooth there, which just helps the horse be more athletic, be able to move. Um, the shoulders, which I'll admit I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, should be, but I definitely should. Uh, the shoulders should be nice and long, have a nice slope to them. Again, slope should be consistent with the slope of the pasterns. And you want the shoulders set fairly wide because a wide set of shoulders means a sturdy horse. You can just think about it. If you have something that the legs are set, if you had your feet close together, it's more easy to push you one way or the other. If your feet are apart, it's harder to push you over. And so a horse with a wider set of shoulders is going to be more um, stable, which is definitely important when, you know, you're going sideways around those turns like we do. Uh, the withers, which obviously tie into the shoulders, Oh, can be the biggest pain in the butt ever. You know, if you have a horse that's, you know, mutton withered or has a super, super high wither, it can be a nightmare trying to find a pad and saddle combination that work for your horse. So you definitely want a horse that has a moderately sized wither and that ties, um, you know, will tie into the shoulder and it just helps with range of motion as well. Um, another thing that people don't consider when evaluating conformation is the horse's ribs. Uh, when making a barrel run, a horse needs to be able to breathe a lot. And what I found really interesting, I didn't know this until a little while ago, was that a horse's stride at a gallop is tied to their breath. So... In order to get the best gallop out of our horses possible, we want to make sure that their breathing is not restricted in any way. And a good way to ensure this is to make sure the horse has a wide and deep chest and ribcage because this will allow for deep breathing and greater lung capacity, which will translate to having a better time or easier time galloping. And such a chest also helps better protect their vital organs. Um, I think one of the most common questions I see about barrel horse conformation is 
how big should my barrel horse be? Is a 14-1 hand-high horse going to be able to be able to succeed like a 16-2 hand-high horse will? And my answer is yes. Both shorter and taller horses have had success. But I would say that you give yourself the greatest chance of success by, I would say, staying somewhere in the middle. You know, not too tall, not too short. You know, especially if we look at tall horses, they may not be able to get up and accelerate the way you would see uh, like a little gritty horse being able to. And that's kind of just a matter of physics, to be honest with you. You know, something that takes that's bigger, say we look at a truck and horse trailer, it's going to take a lot longer for that to accelerate than, say, just a half-ton pickup. So, and also with bigger horses, because they are heavier, they're going to take more concussion on their body when they run. It's just, that's physics. So, and some having more concussion is obviously going to have an impact on their longevity, which I think you definitely need to consider when you're spending in some cases, a considerable amount of money on your new horse. But, so, yes, small horses, big horses, they can all succeed. I think the biggest thing that you need to consider when looking at a horse is actually the size of the rider. You know, are we talking about a five-foot-nothing girl who weighs 100 pounds soaking wet? Are we talking about someone who is super tall? Are we talking about someone who is a bit overweight? All of that needs to be taken into consideration. Obviously, yes, okay, a super tall person can have success on a super small horse and vice versa. But again, we're trying to maximize our chances of success here. A horse that's, say, 15-2, for example, is going to be much better able to carry a heavier person than, say, a little 14-1 hand-high horse is going to be able to. Um, Same case with... Someone who has an inseam of, say, 38 inches, they are not going to be as well suited to a 14-1 horse just because their legs are going to not hang on the horse where you would want them so that the rider can effectively use their legs. It would be better for a person with long legs like that to find a horse that's maybe a bit taller, has a deeper rib, and where when they sit on the horse, their heels are going to come into contact with the horse's sides in a place where they can effectively cue the horse. Um, but like I said, all, high, or all sizes have had success. But, you know, if you're going to spend the money, I would try and get something that is suited to you as the rider. And I guess the last thing I want to talk about confirmation-wise is the horse's eye. And even if you're not buying a barrel horse, whether you're buying a dressage horse, a jumping horse, a western pleasure horse, a trail horse, I think you need to consider the horse's eye. Everyone knows of a horse whose eye looks terrifying. It's like they've got the devil living inside of them. Um, when I think of a horse like that, I think of the movie, The Man from Snowy River. And there's a scene where the black stallion rears up and 
it's this really intense scene and they zoom in on the horse's eye and he he looks scary um but we also on the flip side know of horses who you look at their eye and you know that they would not hurt a fly you know i don't really know how to describe that look but i'm sure you know what i mean and so i really encourage you when you start looking for your horse when you physically go and see the horse take a look at that horse's eye you know what do you see there do you see a horse that could be a willing partner for you is he an animal that you think you could trust when you're up there on his back going mock 20 um you know it's really hard to quantify something like that you know in comparison to say the length of a cannon bone but I feel that it's super important to consider the look in the horse's eye when you're buying a horse. And I guess that's a crash course in barrel horse confirmation, um, as well as the end of this episode. So next week, I will continue on our series about buying a barrel horse. Uh, Next week's episode will go into the actual search for the horse. Now that we know exactly what you're looking for, it will hopefully be a bit easier to find a horse that matches what you need and what you want. If you want to subscribe to A Cowgirl and Her Horse on your podcast app of choice, you will be notified as soon as that next episode is released. Alright guys, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, I'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. Also be sure to check out A Cowgirl and Her Horse on Facebook. You can also head over to anchor.fm and leave a voice memo. Ask me a question, leave a comment, or just say hello. Lastly, be sure to check out acowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals for all sorts of exclusive offers and to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. Thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, it's always a good day to ride.